0: One thing I've really enjoyed in having a son-in-law, as you know, I've got one of those now this year as my daughter married Logan, is introducing him to things he's not familiar with, like southern food, fried okra, things like that. Another thing we've been introducing him to is stories that are important to us as a family. And this last week, we introduced Logan to one of our family's favorite stories, Anne of Green Gables, as we watched the three-hour film that was made in the late 80s. And I love Anne's story arc. Uh, Ms. Montgomery's story is a classic tale of an orphan girl and the power of love that she received from a brother and a sister, Marilla and Matthew, and in particular, the love that she showed to them and to that community. Great stories have story arcs or narrative threads, if you will. And over these weeks, we've been engaging in our Old Testament readings. That's been the primary text we've been preaching from. And the basic story arc, the basic narrative thread, is that God is faithful in leading you. That no matter where we might find ourselves today, no matter what emotions we might experience, no matter what circumstances we might be encountering, no matter whether we're up or down, on a mountain or in a valley, that the one thing that is true, that is rock solid, that we place our faith in is the sustaining love of God, no matter what. And there's certain times in our life where that basic principle is so important beyond the norm, when things are falling apart, when we know that the sustaining love of God in Jesus Christ is the firm ground, is the rock upon which we stand. Indeed, the fact is that God has spoken that God's word is spoken to us. We see this in the lection reading from 1 Kings. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Arise and go to the town that starts with a Z. For I have... How do you pronounce the word, John? Zarephath. Sounds good. All right. (laughs) Zarephath, right? Okay. Go to this town for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Thinking about the context of when God spoke, we've got to actually go to 1 Kings 16 to get a real sense, a real feel of what was going on when God's word came to a man named Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 16 is where I want us to think about as we get thinking about the status, I mean the context. The context. So right before God's words spoke, here's here's what's going on. In the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, Ahab, say Ahab. Ahab. Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all, all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidonians, and went and served the god Baal and worshipped him. Ahab erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah pole. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Hael of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Drama, brokenness, apostasy, violence, child sacrifice. And God's word spoke. In the middle of that mess, God initiated something. God led. In the middle of that craziness, God graced, God blessed, God acted on behalf of his people. In other words, his sustaining love was just as true then as any other time in their past or their future. And it's fascinating to me that as 1 Kings chapter 17 begins, so we have all that drama of what's going on. Two random people are addressed by God. Two people we've not heard of before. Elijah, and this widow woman. God speaks to two people in the middle of this storm. And the message, the narrative arc, is that if you trust me, if you trust my leadership, you will be saved. Even as your doubts are real. Even as your doubts are real, my leadership can be trusted, God is saying to them and to us. The text says, as the Lord your God lives, this is the the widow with her doubts, I have nothing baked. Now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. (laughs) Can you imagine this widow lady hearing the voice of God, as she has nothing and is anticipating her pretty rapid death, according to the text, because they were starving, because they had nothing. And God says, I want you to feed this guy that you've never met with what you have. When we experience doubts about God, about God's word, about God's leadership, we have a tendency to sometimes suppress those doubts or ignore them. We might spiritualize our doubts and redefine them. This text encourages us, based on the, the language of the widow, is to be honest with God about our doubts. But God, what's going on? I don't understand what you're saying. What? What? As God leads us, one sign of our growth is learning to trust God with whatever is real inside of us, learning to trust God with our thoughts and our feelings, learning to trust God with our brokenness and our circumstances, learning to trust God with our doubts and our angers and our fears, learning to be honest with God, even as our doubts are real in other words, God's intent is to lead the real you, not the spiritualized one, not the pretend one, not the one that has it all together, not the one who, 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 who no, you, me. God's father heart is that will you trust me to lead you as you today, wherever you might find yourself. Even as your doubts are real, Obey God. Even as your doubts are real, trust God, especially when his leadership doesn't make sense to you. Especially when his leadership doesn't make sense. The text says, Elijah said to her, Don't fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake and bring it to me. Faith in God does not mean we always like what God has to say. Faith in God does not even mean we always agree with what God has to say. Faith in God does not mean we always understand what God is doing as he's leading us through his word and through his Holy Spirit and through our conscience and through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Faith in Christ means I'm going with him no matter what. I'm trusting him no matter if it makes sense to me or not. You know, I've been doing this uh, preaching thing since the mid-90s. That was a long time ago. And I remember my first couple years of preaching I was so nervous and afraid I had a 25-page uh, script. <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for those first parishes I led. And I really, really, really wanted an amen. That was kind of, you know, at least a, a sense of good job. Amen. Thank you, brother. But then I was thinking, and as I've grown up in the faith and as I've been maturing, How did people respond to the world's greatest preacher? How did the people respond to the world's greatest preacher? To Jesus. Thinking about his most famous sermon, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. He begins the sermon by saying crazy things. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who are hated. Your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes or you will never see the kingdom of God. You have heard that it was said that it's okay to divorce your wife as long as you follow the law. But I say to you, you have heard that it was said that murdering somebody means murdering somebody. But I say to you, murdering somebody means being ugly to your neighbor and treating them like dirt. You have heard that it was said that as long as you don't have sexual relations with somebody who is not your spouse, then you are not guilty of adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you are guilty of adultery. Amen. Ah. Then he gets even crazier. Matthew chapter 5, verses 20, 43 through 48. I've been doing this for a long time. It shouldn't take me that long. (laughs) Matthew 5, 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father who is in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so in response to Jesus' preaching... The answer is, the response, the guttural, the, the, the gut reaction is, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Obey God especially when it doesn't make sense. Obey God especially when you don't want to obey God. Obey God especially when it costs you when it hurts. You see, sin is sticky. The principle of sin is the principle of pride. The principle of sin that is sticky is my rightness. My propensity to follow my own lead is the core issue of sin. My bent towards the prioritization of my opinions, my feelings, my wants, my desires, my priorities is the fundamental base principle of sin that sticks hard to the human soul and that will and is destroying you because you were not made to be your own leader. You were made to follow God, your creator. Obey God, especially when it doesn't make sense, and then God will show his power. Then God will show his power. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel the jar of flour that you have, that little bit you have, shall not become empty, shall not be spent until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. The testimony of these two random people, Elijah, and the widow. The testimony is God's sustaining love. God told me to tell the king that there would be no rain. God told me to feed this random stranger out of the little bit of food we had and the jar's still full. Their testimony is the God of the universe can be trusted, that his leadership is real. The faith that we have is faith in our Father's heart. The faith that we have is is faith in your God's track record, his ability, his want to, and his will to care for you, to lead you, to sustain you in his love. Obey God, trust God. God will show his power and and the result will be you'll experience his pleasure. She went and did as Elijah said. The jar of flour was not spent according to the word that he spoke to Elijah. Elijah. I had that image in my head as I was coming to my, the end of my plan for this morning. And if you're familiar with chariots of fire, I'm sure the the melody is in your head. The testimony of a man who God gifted to run fast. And he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Can you imagine the, the feelings of this widow lady? as she would make the next loaf of bread and notice the jar still being full. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine the feelings of this man named Elijah who said, it's not gonna rain for three years. And it didn't rain for three years. The story arc of your story is the sustaining love of God. The sustaining love of God that roots and grounds you in his joy, in a fundamental awareness that no matter where I find myself, I am secure in the arms, the hands, under the care of my father. And that's where I rest. That's where I find that peace that passes understanding, that guards our heart in our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.